Hello. As we career towards the 100th Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, so musicians are getting their chance to step back into performance spaces in the company of actual audience members. It feels like it's been a long time coming. It feels like it's been an age. It's not really. It's only been five months. But when you're sat there in your seat with your mask looking at the space between you and another audience member, it sometimes feels a little like we're all being punished rather than it being about us protecting one another. Procedures, the hand washing, the sanitizer stations and the clear instructions to wait to be escorted away from your seat at the end of the performance feels like you're on some kind of probation or being performance managed. This is something you've been told you have to do in order to prove that you're able enough to go further. It's an odd feeling. I'm not complaining. What I'm fascinated by at this point of transition back into live performance are the elements of the experience that are highlighted by the controlled spaces us as audience members are being invited to step back into. What is it that we've missed? What are the things which are still missing and why do all of those constituent parts make the difference to the whole that they do? At the point of publishing this podcast, there are just 48 hours before the so-called Rule of Six comes into force in England, limiting social groups indoors and outdoors to no more than six people. Quite how that's going to work, I'm not entirely sure. It's not something I understand will change the timescale for a return to live performance for socially distanced performers and audience alike, though as with many of these things, dates can change with little or no notice which means that recorded performances with a small, invited, or even, in some cases, ticketed audience are the only option at the present time. Like the subject of this podcast, captured on one of the hottest days in July at Hatfield House in Hertfordshire, where I went on my brand new bike to interview cellist Guy Johnston, pianist Melvin Tan, and a lovely man called Dermot, who took me on a small tour of the home of Lord Salisbury whilst I was there. The Hatfield Chamber Music Festival started online on Friday the 11th September. There are premieres on YouTube over the next few weeks. The opening concert of music by Beethoven, Schubert and Mendelssohn's Cello Sonata is available to watch now. The Cello Sonata is the music that features in this episode. Uh, tell me where we are and what we're doing here. We're at Hatfield House, and uh, where normally we would have a chamber music festival every year, but of course because of the current situation we've had to, to slim down but also keep the show on the road. And um, we, we are now doing a, a, a... We're pre-recording everything in time for release in September. I think every Friday there's going to be a broadcast of various musical offerings and some uh, tours, uh, guided tours with Lord Salisbury around the house, um, talking about some historical um, artefacts. And um, there's also some lovely uh, introductions to the music by Stephen Johnson, uh, some wonderful artists. So, yeah, I mean, it's our ninth year, and it's, it's just it's amazing that we are able to do something. 
I hadn't appreciated that you had been here before, which obviously sort of reveals how little research I do for these interviews. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, just tell me about something about the place, where we are, and, and why Hatfield House is special. Yeah, so, I mean, I was brought up in Hertfordshire, which is where we are, and um, I, I just had this, this idea of putting on some concerts in a, in a grand house that actually was in Ireland. They, do, they, they used to be called... Um, music in great Irish houses and now it's called great music in Irish houses um, but it did make me wonder like in Hertfordshire there are some fantastic beautiful old um, homes including Hatford House which is steeped in history and uh, Queen Elizabeth I lived here when she was in exile and was, was, she was told here that she was going to become Queen of England Dermot Burke, I've been a guide here in Hatfield House for the last 10 years. Uh, and what, does your, what, what do your day, day activities in, involve, Dermot? Literally either taking people round the house on tours or being in the different rooms and as people come in I'll tell them what they want to know if they want to know it. <laughs> <laughs> but you do also have an additional responsibility today, do you not? Yes, well, today is the Chamber Music Festival and I'm literally keeping an eye on Hatfield House on behalf of the house. Uh, and also, if I'm not mistaken, you're keep, meant to be keeping an eye on my bike. Oh, I'm keeping an eye on your bike. It's quite safe up there against the gate, don't you worry. Any, any ne'er-do-wells oh, who want to nick it. Yeah, but you won't get too many ne'er-do-wells no. round here. No, right. no. Okay. Uh, tell me where we are. Where are we? We are in the beautiful marble hall of this lovely Jacobean house. This house was built and completed in 1611 in the reign of King James, King Jacobus, therefore Jacobean. We are in the beautiful marble hall of this beautiful home. This is a family home, incidentally. The Cecils of Hatfield House live here. The full title is the Marquess and Marchioness of Salisbury, 
we simply know them as Lord and Lady Salisbury and they are great supporters of the uh, festival here that we are now enjoying today so the, you, you'll see them around the place a lot. I have to tell you that I haven't been in a room quite so big as this for at least five months and so when I, when I stepped in here I, I, uh, I had a bit of an emotional moment this privately. This is a special room, the public love this room. When people come into this room and see this room they're just struck in awe, they really are. This is a magnificent room. Finished, completed in 1611. It took only four years to build this house. Only four years? Only four <laughs> years to build this house, this vast house, because Robert Cecil wanted literally to show this house off to the king, King James VI, oh, King James okay. I. 20 miles away, he came often, and of course this was uh, showing his importance and... It's been here all these years later. It certainly does give off an air of importance. Yeah, I want you to pick out one picture that you particularly are drawn to. There is one more yeah. than any else, and it's the okay, rainbow you're, you're, portrait. You're, that's unequivocal, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> one, there are several beautiful paintings here, but this one is the special one. The rainbow portrait of Queen Elizabeth I. Look at this. Look at this. This is original. This has been here from the very beginning. Look at the eyes and the ears all over her dress. Look at oh. that. She was all seeing. She was all hearing. Nothing got past her. Nothing. Look at the serpent on her left sleeve. Symbolises wisdom. It's all about symbolism. You symbolism. love this painting, don't oh, you? Oh, this painting is magic. I mean, you've heard of Lucy Worsley. She has often talked about this on television. Right. She's been here and she knows this painting inside out. This is one of the most famous paintings in this country. But as I said, look at the serpent um, symbolises wisdom. Now look at this. The rainbow is in her right hand. Right. It symbolises peace. Now the rainbow looks very dull. And a lot of people think it's wear and tear. It's not. It was meant to be dull because nothing could be brighter than the Queen. They weren't going to let anything upstage this Queen. The Latin term non sinus oliris means no rainbow without the sun. She oh, was the sun. I see. I, see. I, she was I mean, the it, sun. It, it looks like a pipe. It, it does, but it's actually like a, the like a hose. Yes, but okay. It wasn't meant to be the most important part no. there because, as I said, nothing could be brighter than the Queen. I love that you really love that painting. Oh, I, I find that I find your enthusiasm for it infectious. Right, where, let, let's go somewhere else. John, yes. Sorry, Come, would that be right? I'm terribly sorry. No problem. Basically, what we're doing, Dermot, no, no. is we're we're dumping you in favour of a performer. <laughs> but if you could, if you could keep a close eye on the bike, that would be great. Priorities. Priorities. I mean, it's new. That's the thing. John, this is Melvin. Melvin, hello. I mean, you're backlit at the moment, so I can't really see you. But uh, yes, I know. We'll Are we allowed to sit on these chairs? We don't know, but let's seek, <coughs> let's seek forgiveness, not permission. I don't think these are going to Tell me what it's like to be performing again after this extended break. Well, actually, Guy and I have been very lucky because we did a Wigmore, one of those live Wigmore things last month. Oh, in June, actually. God, time passed us by. When he's, um, time, the one day goes into the next, so you kind of forget what day it is. So we already had a chance to play together, which was really wonderful. So it was just so good to make music, you know, together again. So today's the second time we've been able to. 
playing it again. Oh God, it's wonderful. I mean, really wonderful. Because apart from Guy, I've not been able to play with anyone, so I've been using the time to learn new stuff and, you know, revisit works that, you know, I thought maybe I didn't have time to revisit again or... But actually to play music with someone, it's, it's, it's been wonderful. And particularly here, where the acoustics are good, nice piano, nice acoustic, <clears throat> great friends, so, um, yeah. I was struck by how those opening chords just seemed to sort of they seem to wrap, the sound seemed to wrap around the room like a, like yeah. a ribbon, really. But, I mean, Mendelssohn is so well written. It's, it's just, he's such a brilliant composer and everything on the piano fits the pianist. I mean, lies in the hands perfectly. Um, but those chords, you know, this wonderful kind of almost ethereal sort of heavenly chords and then suddenly it's... The, the 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 cello comes in sort of no it's not like this <laughs> and I had to say earlier on it, it's actually a very visual thing it's great for the audience because you know there's guy turning to me going but I, I'm going oh it's lovely it's a lovely chord. <laughs> I mean, uh, Mendelssohn revered Bach, and, and this is like a chorale. Um, and I think uh, um, he's, you know, he's, um, the cello is kind of uh, like a recitative. It's sort of commenting on, you know, faith and, and um, Christian faith and Jewish faith, which is in his, uh, in his roots. Um, and, but, but also he was struggling, I think, a bit with his faith. But he also, as I said, revered Bach. And, um, and so the chorale is sort of a, a, you know, an ode to, to Bach, really, I think.
Come, in, come into the chapel. Look at this. Wait till you see this chapel. Look at this. Another organ. Look at this. This chapel oh, is wow. used every day. Every day. They have their own chaplain. Father Paul is the chaplain here. And this family have their own chaplain. And this is used. There's a service every morning at a quarter to nine. A short service. And on Sunday, a proper service with Holy Communion. Look at that stained glass window. That is original. That is all original. That is here uh, from the very beginning. It's the very beginning. Survived two world wars. Survived a great fire here in, uh, way back in 1885. But uh, survived two world wars. All original. Isn't that something? What was, the <clears throat> what was the building used for during the Second World War? Was it recommissioned? It was. It was a military hospital. It became a military hospital. The, the Marquis of the day was in Sir Winston Churchill's war cabinet and he immediately gave the house over to the military. And this was a, a military hospital throughout the whole of the war. Thousands and thousands of soldiers went through this uh, building and most of them, thankfully, were, you know, got better again. How did so you far. come to live around here? Because clearly you're not from these parts, No, no, Dermot. I was born in Caventown in Ireland, but uh, I've been here in this country for 50 years. But because I came as an adult... My accent has never changed. But what, what brought you here? Well, I went to South Africa when I left Ireland first a couple of years, and I thought, no, I, I, I won't stay in South Africa. I'm going to London. I have a brother there. So I came to see my brother in London and never left. Right. Yeah, <laughs> as simple as that. So were you Merchant Navy? Were you in No, no, retail. I was in retail all my life. Right. Retail, big stores, Debenhams, a home base, yeah, okay. managed big stores in Milton Keynes and uh, several around London. Right. Always retail, big stores. You mean you were dealing with customers? Customers all my life. Oh, all my life. Really? All my life. And... Uh, Lord Salisbury, uh, when he heard I was retiring, because my late wife worked here, she ran the estate office for many years for Lord Salisbury, and uh, she said to him one day, she said, oh, Dermot's retiring. Get him in, get him in. He's a retail man. He knows people. So I've been here ever since, wasn't I? That would account for why you're so personable. I mean, I, my, my parents used to work in retail, and they suggested that I might want to. Uh, I, but I ran screaming from the idea. I just thought it was... I don't want to have to deal with people. Um, but where, where, where are we going upstairs? Let's go upstairs. Let's, Let's go. Great. to see the long gallery. Oh, I tell you, you really have to... I wouldn't let you leave this... <laughs> I wouldn't let you leave this house without seeing it. Oh, my. So much wood. There's the so much wood, isn't there? Look at the family. This is the present Lord Salisbury, the seventh Marquess. That's the present man. I and think I saw him earlier on in the concert. Yeah, you did. Yes. You did, and he'll be there this afternoon. And He's there's Hatfield the House from the south, from the other side. Yes. So there we are. It's a great picture, actually. Great picture. He looks like a, uh, a true yeah, bon like vivant. A, and like a gentleman farmer, yes, too. Yes, absolutely. He, he, he loves his pigs. He breeds pigs. He's very, very much into, into animals and the farm life. Like this staircase It's so here. warm, isn't it? I don't know that I've been in a room with quite so much wood. No. Oh, no, the wood. That's the wood just makes it really warm. It took four years to build this house, that's all. But the last six months of this house was given over completely to the wood. English oak, the carvings we call it. English oak from this estate. This yeah. house is practically built from English oak on this estate. And this room here that we're going into will prove it to you. Look at this. Oh dear God. I'm going to put a couple of lights on for you here, a couple of lights. There's part of the concert will be held here tomorrow in this room. 
Come, come and look out this window here. Come and look out over what looks like Windsor Great Great Park. Isn't that magnificent? Dear God. Family live over on that left side, as you can see, all the cars parked there. Isn't that lovely? Let me put a couple of lights on for you. Where do you see the ceiling? The gold ceiling. Watch, watch this. Watch these lights go on. Oh. Oh. Wow. It is so warm. Let me show you something just in here on the left, on the north gallery, the little gallery off the main grid room that we're in. But wait till you see this. Look at this. Look down there. Oh, hang on. That's... Oh, wow. Look at that. Look at that. That's Isn't Marble that Hall. Marble Hall. What was this used for then? Servants looking down, checking on the banquets below. Oh, I see. And the servants needed to tell their colleagues what was happening. In other words, get the next course ready. I'm talking the old days before walkie-talkies. <laughs> and this is how they did it. Can you see the hidden doors here? You can't, but they're there. Loads of hidden doors. Look at this. So the servants ran down these stairs... The other thing that I wanted to ask you about from a, from a performance point of view is that as an audience member it feels as though lots of organisations have suddenly pivoted to doing digital because that's, that's where they can uh, capture, that's where they can be active. Uh, what, uh, I, I suppose for, for you as a performer that's no different from just doing another recording session, but I wonder whether it is something that you approach as this is the best that we can do at the moment or... Is it fulfilling that that sort of performance criteria that you had when you that you have when you step onto the stage? What we felt was, and we've talked about doing recordings at the house for some time. Um, what we felt 
uh, was that we should try and keep up with what's going on. We should keep in touch with our supporters and we should try and extend our um, reach. And actually our launch concert we put online, I think it's getting up for a thousand views now, which for our small festival, it's, um, well, I should say, budding, uh, growing festival. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it, I mean, there's small venues. We can only get 120, 130 people in the Marble Hall. And to think that we've reached a thousand people with the, with the offering yeah, that we nice. did, it was, it was really great. And maybe some of those people now have clocked that we are here and that they should come and and see it live. chair for Queen Anne, 1702-1714. You have just got so many facts at your fingertips, haven't you? Oh, are just we going up there? Have a, have a look, just have a look. No, it takes you up to the roof, but that takes you right up to the roof above us. Wow. Right up to the roof. If you wish, go up a little bit there. Okay. I, I wouldn't mind, seeing as I'm here. No. Basically, then the clock tower is above us. Remember the clock tower you would have seen when you arrived. Yes. And the clock tower accidentally went on fire in about the 1980s, and all the firemen came up here and put the fire out. Wow. So you're up on the roof there now. <laughs> I didn't expect this at all. <laughs> Amazing. But I've got a couple more things to show you. Okay. What's your head here? Thank you. Watch your head there. And all this built in four years, 1607 to 1611. I must just get a picture of this. I've got something else to show you though. What, here? Yeah. Okay, let me just get a picture. Okay, show me that show me that and then Oh. This comes out and comes over to there. Okay. This comes out. Comes over to there and you have a hidden room. If the car I see, wasn't. I see. And then you can the aristocracy here, the servants operating from here, all these doors, all these rooms, they have access to the entire house. Wow. They have Look at how big, how thick they are. Old English oak, sixteen eleven from this I mean, estate. That's, that's like ten centimeters, isn't it? Six and inch. if you wanted to get in from there to here, there's your door. Look, <laughs> that's why we don't need one that side. Just one entrance there. Look, isn't that something? <laughs> Uh, I 
been to test concerts earlier this week in St John's Smith Square <coughs> and in uh, the Wren Church in central London and I've seen the current layout for, for the auditorium for example and the sight of it I said to somebody I find the sight of it heartbreaking um, performers have said to me well actually we see it as a sign of hope uh, I'm wondering where you are on that continuum. I will just play. I mean, if they can just get the seating sorted out, I'm very happy to play to whoever wants to come. And I mean, like today there were, I don't know how many were there, 20, I was going to say 30. And it felt, it didn't feel like a normal concert situation, but it felt pretty good. And I liked how at the beginning of the concert somebody said, should we applaud? <laughs> yeah. Should we applaud when they come in? Yeah, I think we ought to. But I actually said to... Um, to Michaela, who's turning pages for me, and gosh, they're clapping very loudly. So <laughs> it sounds like it's a very full hall. <laughs> well, of course, it resonates, you see. Yeah. But I think that's called enthusiasm and relief, oh, isn't it? Thank you. Yes, that's, that's very good. But um, I'm due to do con um, concerts later in the year with social distancing, so I'm hoping that things will work out. Um, they're all very confident that it's going to work out. But, you know, why, why can't it? I mean, if we, cinemas are opening and, you know, you can go and have to go to the hairdresser and you can, why can't you just sit? And people should be able to expect that in many instances they go slightly at their own risk and you yes, wear your yes. mask, but you, you're going slightly at your own risk, but just to, you know, to start enjoying the arts again. And I think it's very important. I have the sense that actually it's that there is an urgency for for people to be making their own decision and to take that personal risk because the longer people are aren't able to step into an auditorium the more difficult it will be to get them into the auditorium in future and the more frightened they are of doing anything in the future and I think we all have to we all take risks every time we go out of our house you know whatever and so we have to start just living with this virus and just trying to get back to some normality as much as possible. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. If you enjoy it, please consider supporting it for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good to pledge your support.